AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, folks, and thanks for tuning in to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Mike Pearson, sitting in for Mike Adams today. And on the show ahead, we are going to be talking to Mr. Darren Newsom about what's happening in the livestock markets. We've seen a lot of volatility in that space recently, and he's going to help us uh, dig into it a little bit. Then, boy, fertilizer prices are still on the move. Josh Lindell from StoneX, the director of fertilizer over there, will be joining us. We're going to talk about just how much things have changed over the past two weeks and when or if relief might be in the forecast. And then we are going to talk to a farmer in Indiana about how harvest is looking over in the eastern part of the Corn Belt. And that's our show today. Before we dive into things too far, I want to take a look at some of the news headlines that have been building around the world. We've been talking in the ag media space for two or three years about the changes happening in the hog industry. This started in China. Their outbreak of African swine fever in 2018 caused that market to go haywire, led to them importing lots of pork from around the world, notably from the United States. Well, they've also been buying from folks uh, globally, including from Europe, even though recently the spread of African swine fever into Western Europe has curtailed some of their purchases. And the move of UK out of the UK, rather, out of the European Union, the Brexit move, has changed the way a lot of the hog industry moves animals around and pork around inside the European Union, and that's created struggles for UK pork farmers. In fact, the struggles have gotten so profound that the backlog of hogs waiting kill space in slaughter plants is now driving down the market, and some farmers have found a way to deal with it. Uh, there was an announcement earlier this week by a group of farm, uh, excuse me, hog producers over in the UK that they are developing a rendering plant. They say there's currently 150,000 hogs backlogged looking for slaughter capacity in the UK. So this is just in England and Northern Ireland. And uh, that number is growing weekly as these hogs continue to pile up a waiting space. So what has happened is a group of growers have come together and they have set up an emergency slaughter plant that's basically, it's not going to be slaughtering necessarily for meat production into the grocery store space. They're going to slaughter these hogs and render them. And that is how they're going to try to alleviate this, uh, this backlog. They say that uh, once this plant is up and running, and they hope to have it going um, as soon as possible, is the quote from the Agriculture and Horticulture Development Board in the UK. Once it's up and running, they're going to process two to 3,000 pigs per week. And uh, they think that uh, this should help alleviate the backlog. Just to kind of put things in context, the UK on a weekly basis slaughters roughly 400,000 hogs. So they're a much smaller uh, packing and processing space than we have in the United, in the United States. But uh, adding an additional you know, one to, to maybe 3% capacity in slaughter, even though it's emergency and these animals are just going to be rendered, should help move those prices back to the upside and uh, you know maybe eliminate some of the challenges those growers are facing. That's not the only global headline in agriculture. Uh, last night sat down for dinner and we had some pasta and pasta is going to be getting more expensive. I know we have a lot of listeners up in the northern Great Plains, places that have just been slammed by the drought across, uh, well, the entire central United States up into the Canadian prairies. And that has targeted one, what's targeted a lot of crops. And I, I certainly don't mean to minimize it. Growers, cattle producers on pasture, they've seen pastures dried up, we've seen herd liquidations. It has really been a struggle. But North Dakota grows 80% of the United States Durham crop. And that crop has been decimated. We also see Canada as a very large producer. And now it is known that this drought has impacted production so severely that we are going to see pasta prices climb. Now, you've probably seen it at the grocery store already. These moves have already taken place. They're going to accelerate. Um, Bloomberg reports that we are going to be seeing pasta prices climb all through 2022. As of right now, um, we are seeing in Canada, 
Durham crisis at the at mid 2021. So we're talking June, just as the drought was starting to intensify. In Canadian dollars, Durham was trading at 300 loonies a ton recently. In fact, as of earlier this week, it was trading at 716. That's more than double. We're also seeing, I'm hearing reports from growers in North Dakota of similar price moves and it, these are phenomenal prices, but of course, in order to capture them, you have to have product to sell. And that's the struggle for a lot of the folks I've been hearing from in North Dakota. It has been a real challenge to, to have anything worth harvesting in those Durham fields. Listeners, if you're in North Dakota, if you're a Durham grower and you've got stories as to how your year has gone, let us know. You can find Adams on Agriculture on Facebook and on Twitter. On Twitter, look for us at AOA underscore talk show and tell us how it's gone we'd like to hear from you we'd like to hear your stories and folks if you're planning to purchase pasta in the next year and i know i am be prepared you might have to write a bit bigger check we've also got news coming out of the meat sector after years of rumors allegations, the poultry industry is going to trial. It was recently announced that a group of 10 executives and employees of top U.S. poultry companies, including two, and the key here is former chief executives, are now facing criminal antitrust charges. Their trial gets underway this week in Denver. Uh, they could be facing multi-million dollar fines. There is prison on the table for these executives if they are convicted of fixing prices and rigging bids. This trial is coming at the end of a years-long investigation. Um, it is, uh, they're looking at uh, Pilgrim's Pride, Purdue Farms, really about a third of the poultry that Americans eat is coming under fire in this lawsuit. Um, and, you know, when we talk about these lawsuits, we're hearing similar moves in the beef industry. That one is just getting started. I know the Department of Justice launched an investigation last year. I've got a feeling we're going to see these types of charges accelerate. The Biden administration is certainly willing to prosecute companies or firms who have been engaging in anti competitive practices. And this uh, chicken case could be sort of the bellwether. In a court filing last week, remember, everybody is innocent until proven guilty in this country. The defendants, so the, the 10 executives said their price discussions weren't illegal. They admitted they were discussing prices abstractly with different members of their supply chain, but they said uh, they never agreed to participate in a single overarching conspiracy. The charges include a muddle of different sporadic communications over many years involving different people, different products, different customers, and different price outcomes. So that's the defense they're relying on. They're saying that everybody talks about prices all day long when you're in these industries. And, you know, of course, there are emails of them saying that. Um, the two uh, the two CEOs, or excuse me, former Pride, uh, excuse me, let me start over. The two CEOs, two former CEOs being charged are, are both at Pilgrim's Pride, uh, Jason Penn and William Levette. They are being charged with conspiracy. Uh, it's being alleged that they conspired with industry employees and officials to fix prices and rig bidding from 2012 through 2019. We'll have more as that case moves to trial. We'll no doubt we'll be talking about it here on Adams on Agriculture, folks. Stay with us when we return. Darren Newsom from Newsom Analysis will give us his insight on what's going on in the livestock markets. Stay with us. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. <laughs> 
At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlisty 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlisty 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. Enlisty 3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlisty 3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson sitting in today for Mike Adams, and it's time to talk markets. We've continued to see volatility in the livestock sector. Darren Newsom from Newsom Analysis joins us this morning. Darren, tell us a little bit about what is going on in the hog market. That has been a roller coaster, and we're up today. What's going on? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen is you know, we've seen some technical pressure in the hog market. And I know it sounds crazy because, I mean, livestock, as a general rule, are, are driven by fundamentals. But, you know, since we peaked this, uh, you know, looking at the December contract, since we hit a high of, you know, just short of 85.70 back in late September, the market's been under pressure. But the December contract did not take out its previous low of 71.27 this week. And what we saw on on uh, Thursday was just this incredible rally, this $3 plus rally as both as both sides came rushing back into the market. We saw funds coming back in. We saw some commercial buying coming back in and enough to, you know, to push the DEES versus the rest of the complex. So now what we have is a technical pattern here on the, on the contracts weekly chart that's indicating it could be getting ready to go up. Now, I want to add an asterisk to that because we're talking about hogs. And that means by the end of the day, everything could fall apart again. And this weekly chart changed completely. Uh, but for right now, you know, it looks to be driven by technicals. Fundamentals have just been bullish. They, they've stayed bullish. They're going to be bullish for a while. But what we're seeing more now is a technical play. And if we start to see some fund money coming back into this market just to get back in line with what the fundamentals are showing us, this market's got some room to move back up. Well, let's talk about that room to move back up. Darren, I just pulled up the December chart here on my computer. Taking a look, it definitely looks like we are still solidly in a downtrend. What's your upside target on December contract? You know, the initial upside target, and, and what I would say is that you know, what we've actually got going here is the beginning of an uptrend. But to, to confirm that, we need to see the December contract sitting around 74, 74 and a half today. We need to see it take out its previous peak of 85, you know, 85, 67. That's a long ways up there. So, I mean, that's what it would take to actually confirm this next leg of an uptrend. If it goes and takes out that previous low that I mentioned, then again, all bets are off. But for right now, 
again, I would argue that we are in the early stages of an uptrend. It needs to build some momentum in here. It needs to find uh, some fun buying because, as I said, the commercial, you know, the fundamentals are already bullish. And now we just need to find the fun buying to help push this thing higher. So, Darren, in order to get the funds involved, we need a compelling story. We talk about that all the time here in agriculture. The story on the fundamental level, is there a compelling story there to hook the buyers into the market? You know, as far as the headline goes, probably not. Uh, you know, there, there's just not a lot of interest being paid out to hogs right now. The, the, you know, the stories that you see here is that China is rebuilding its, its, you know, hog herd size and it's going along quite well. But I think what the future spreads are actually telling us is there may not be a lot of truth to those stories, to those headlines. And, and that's where we can really see things. And so if funds are going to get interested, they may, there may not be that compelling headline. There may not be that compelling series of stories, but if they look at what, you know, what the commercial side of the market is actually telling us that they're in, out there searching for hogs right now, that they're the ones providing support to the, to the nearby futures contracts. That could be enough to start pulling some of this money in. It's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to be this fast move like what we've seen in, say, lumber and copper and the energy complex and so on. But they could start to rebuild their net long position in, in the futures. Uh, you know, if we look at the commitments to traders reports, and that would be enough to start pushing this market higher. Well, let's talk over on the cap side of the ledger. Again, we have seen lots of volatility in that market. Darren, where is the cattle market in your head today? Way too high. Um, it's, it's way too high. You know, we're, we're seeing the cash market still in that 124, 125 range. I know there's reports of other, you know, higher numbers. But right now what we're seeing is 124, 125. And we've got the December contract sitting up there at 130, 131. This is what I call a down escalator uh, simulator. It's something we've we've been watching, you know, for months, if not almost a full year now, is that as each contract moves off and the October contract goes off on Friday, as each contract goes off, the next one moves down to meet it. So with the December up around 130, 131 and cash in that 124, 125, even if cash bumps up to 126, 127, you know, there's still room for the December contract to go down. And it looks Looks like it should. You know, the spread between Dece and Feb is sitting at you know five, five and a half dollars minus five, five and a half dollars, and that's that's incredibly bearish as well. So, you know, we're not we're not through with the bearish fundamentals that we've got. We're going into a more bearish time frame seasonally over the course of the winter. So, I just see I just see the cattle market as being overpriced right now, technically needing another leg down. And then once we get that uh, over the course of the winter, uh, by the time we get to late winter, early spring, this market could be primed to get ready to go back up again. Well, let's talk about that, Darren. How high can this market run looking at the, the in the beef sector? Um, <laughs> well, I don't I, right now. I don't think it's going to run very high at all. Uh, but if we look out at those, uh, if we look out, let's say, let's pull up the, let's pull up the April contract uh, and let's see if it, you know, if it were to break down and my expectation would be over the course of the winter for it to take out its previous low down around oh, 132, 133, uh, let's say it takes that out at that point. You know, the argument's going to make, could it be, could it then turn around and go back up over the 140, 142 mark? It's always possible. I'm not going to hold my breath for it to happen. Could it challenge this year's highs again of that 142.70 mark? Yeah, I think it could, but I, I just still don't see any reason as long as we continue to have the size of uh, numbers on feed and as long as we continue to you know push these cattle back and, and, and you know bring them in at higher weights. I just really don't see a reason for the cattle market to get back up into that 140, 142 range, you know, unless something dramatically changes. Well, one of the things that is being discussed as could dramatically change, Darren, of course, is the inflation environment. We're seeing rising food prices all across the spectrum. Eventually, are those higher prices going to make their way to the auction bar, to those uh, the bidders buying fat cattle? No. I don't think, I mean, we, we could see the live cattle go up a little bit, but I mean, we're already starting to see boxed beef sag under the strain of, of too high price and, and demand going down. Uh, so, you know, as we head into the winter grilling season's over, and if we get it to the point where, you know, folks aren't going out to restaurants anymore and, and boxed beef is still running as high as it is, uh, then I think there's a problem. So I, I don't think there's really any reason for, 
the uh, the live market to go up right now. Again, I mean, folks are seeing these carries, not these carries, but these spreads, and and they're pushing, and they're holding back cattle. And so that means more weight coming, uh, you know, with with each set of cattle that's coming out, they're, they're they're weighing more. And so why pay up for that? I mean, you can you can get what you need without really pushing the live cattle market higher, uh, the cash cattle market higher. So it, and and it hasn't. Now, if all of a sudden we see some economic pressure come onto the onto the back end of the market, the boxed beef side, the retail side, and then all of a sudden there's less reason to push the cash cattle market higher. So I, I think we're in for a time where you know cash doesn't have any room, to, doesn't really have any reason to go up, and if without any reason to go up, most logical ex, you know most logical other thing that could happen would be for it to go down. That is true. Darren, let's talk feeder cattle in the few minutes we have left. We've seen a, a big pullback. We're down over a dollar on most of the contracts today in feeders. What's your take here? Yeah, again, similar to the live cattle, I think feeders are, are a little bit overpriced here. Now, you know, the, the thing is, we're, we're going to probably see pretty good demand for the feeder cattle market because we are going to continue to move cattle. But what I'm hearing from some in the industry is that some of the smaller guys, because the the, the cash cattle market is is so bad in comparison to what the you know what the what the retail price is, that they're just not getting back into it. And so if they're if we're actually seeing some of these smaller uh, cattle producers getting out of the market, demand for feeders could start to suffer. So. Yes, I think that you know feeders have have some support underneath them, but that could all be erased if this becomes a trend that you know smaller producers are just you know just leaving the market. Also, I still think corn's going to go back up over the course of the winter, and you know there is this thought process that there's an inverse relationship between corn and feeders. So if that's the case, and if there's enough of that belief out there, that could bring some fund selling or some non-commercial selling into the market as well. It certainly could. Boy, not not a whole lot of bright spots there. Darren, looking at the feeder cattle market, let's talk through 2022. We've heard a lot of, of cow coals. We've seen heifer slaughter running strong. Do you see strength, relative strength returning in feeders as we get through 2022 if this cattle herd does continue to contract? I think so. Yeah, because because that's what you normally have to see is you have to see the you know the supplies come back down and and once you see the supply once you see that that equilibrium hit then all of a sudden you're going to get the buyers coming back. So if you know we actually see the the culling of the herd the the you know the slaughter and all of this uh, you know that's putting you know that's taking supplies out of the market right now at some point that will come in that will provide support and so. You know, well, let's keep an eye on the deferred spreads, those deferred 2022 spreads. And at some point, I think we are going to see those start to turn around. All right, Darren, to we got to go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. So you're saying I could save some money now by bundling my crop protection products, but I'd miss out on the 5 to 15 bushels per acre advantage from Acuron herbicide? Mm-hmm. And the 4 bushel advantage Saltro seed treatment has over Olivo seed treatment? Yeah. And the 18 and a half bushels per acre advantage from Travipro fungicide? Yep. So the bundle deal isn't really all that much of a deal, is it? Nope. Better yield is the better deal. Talk to your retailer or Syngenta rep to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Weekly export sales data showed 890,448 metric tons of corn were booked during the week that ended 1021. This week's shipments were 688,505 metric tons, which was also below last week in the same week last year. Overall, weekly export sales were up from the prior week. However, another week with lack in China activity. Mexico continues to be a top buyer. Big gains in the corn market this week with the December contract up more than 24 cents per bushel. On the Board of Trade this morning, the December corn contract trading a half a cent higher at 563 and a half cent. The March contract up a half cent 
at 571 and a half cent. For soybeans, the January contract down a penny and a fraction at 1244 and three quarters. March down three quarters at 1255 and a quarter of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down four and a half cent at 767 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December down eight at 782. Minneapolis spring wheat December up four and a half cent at 1042. The March contract up three and three quarters at 1022 and a half cent. Good news in cash trade in the South. Cattle traded mostly at $126 with light sales of $127, while northern live sales were mainly $127 to $129. Dress sales in the north were at $200, $4 higher than last week. Exports were impressive, seeing South Korea, China, and Japan as top purchasers. On the Board of Trade this morning, December live cattle trading 50 cents lower at 129.82 February, down 50 at 135.25. Feeder cattle January down 55 at 156.95. The March contract down 67 at 158.17. Looking at lean hogs, the December contract down 55 at 74.70. February down 42 at 76.77. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams today. And next, we're talking fertilizer. Josh Linville, the director of fertilizer at Stonex, joins us now. Josh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's see. It's been about two weeks since we last talked with you. And I don't think you have had much of a rest since then. This fertilizer market is going nuts. Josh, bring us up to speed. Where are prices right now? Yeah, so here in the last couple of weeks, it's been absolutely crazy. Uh, we've seen a lot of international uh, strength that's been out there. And, of course, that's starting to roll over into our markets here in the U.S. And, oh, shoot, that's the crazy thing. It's Boy, two weeks ago just seems like an absolute lifetime. But when we sit there and look at what has happened, we are seeing urea prices, for example, up 75 to to $100 a ton. Uh, UAN has been jumping up on the limited number of tons that have been offered. And hydrous has actually gone through the roof. Uh, the only things that have been quiet, strangely enough, have been phosphate and potash. But that sure feels like it's a powder keg that's just waiting to be lit. Boy, well, let's talk about anhydrous because that's a jump that uh, really has come in the last three weeks, at least here in this country. And we're getting close to the time that a lot of growers are going to be pulling that onto their fields. Josh, where do we see anhydrous going? That's another one. You know, it really depends on where you are, who you're talking to, things like that. We've heard prices all over the place, but the new numbers we're starting to hear out there, uh, they are starting with $1,100, $1,200, going out to the farm gate. And the thing, we've talked a lot about this uh, over the last several, several weeks, last couple months, and Hydras had really struggled to keep the price increases in line with what was going on with urea and UAN. And it finally got to that breaking point where the producers, the manufacturers of fertilizer said, nope, this is going to be too much demand. The spread is way too wide. And they brought up, up into line with where the upgrades are on the nitrogen side. The scary, scary yeah. thing is, in the back of my mind, there could be more to come. So, Josh, what is going to cause more price rises to come? What are the keys you're keeping an eye on? 
it, it all starts for me, it all starts internationally. And therein lies the problem. Urea, in my mind, around the world is kind of the canary in the coal mine. I had a friend describe it that way, and I thought it was an excellent representation of it. Urea around the world is very, very tight. European production is down. China has stopped exports. Uh, there are reports going around that Russia may start doing the same thing, limiting exports. So urea is very tight. Prices skyrocket. And so then all of a sudden, as urea goes up, and hydro starts to look cheap in comparison, and it's kind of forced to go up with it. Interesting. The the European slowdown in urea production, I, I understand that was maybe tied to sort of the electricity disruptions they were having a few weeks ago. Are those still going on? And, and is their production going to come back online? Well, it, it was all to do with the natural gas situation. Uh, they were very, very tight on natural gas supplies. Um, I've had some people theorize it had to do with their reliance on green energy. You know, it wasn't as sunny, so the solar panels didn't work as well. It wasn't as windy, so the wind turbines didn't work as well. I, I Truthfully, I'm not a natural gas expert, so I don't know if that's truly the reason. That's just what I've been hearing. But regardless, we've seen their natural gas price go from $5 in the BTU up to $30, $35. And so they're relying on a lot of product coming from, uh, from Russia, and they're just struggling. Supplies are tight. Demand is high. They're moving into their winter months, and the market is basically trying to shut down demand. So, Josh, I mean, this time of year, we are seeing demand for fertilizer really coming out of uh, South America. Have you heard any updates on whether or not growers are getting are, are actually able to secure their supplies down there? There has been some horror stories that's been coming out. Uh, we have heard a couple reports of suppliers who had sold product to the farmer who were saying, sorry, I can't get it for you. Uh, we've heard some people backing out of contracts. Now, these are all rumors, but the problem is, as crazy as this entire year has been, we've almost got to start to believe the rumors more than not. It just seems like every single black swan event that can happen has happened. And so true. I think there has been a struggle down there, and I, I'm a, I really, really hope that isn't something that starts to come back around and uh, affects us. Yeah, I mean, we're only six months away from really needing fertilizer here throughout the Corn Belt. Josh, we heard from, I believe it was ADM's CEO the other day, he said there is no shortage of fertilizer, just higher prices. That statement sounds strange when it hits my ears, especially when you're talking about South American growers potentially not being able to reach it or rumors of these things. Do you Does that sound accurate to you? Well, I that understand. It's not a supply shortage. Well, I, I, that's the thing. I, I guess from my standpoint, I am seeing supply significantly down. You, you know, China shutting its borders to any exports, China represents one third of the global urea production. Europe is a big producing region and their production is down significantly. We might lose Russia. You know, we lost several weeks to Hurricane Ida down the Delta for our production. We've had issues with inland production. So there has been a lot of production that has gone down. Now, a statement like that kind of goes back to the whole free market thinking. At a price, you can find anything. You just may not be willing to pay that price. Now, I will say I agree with that, but I would, at current values, I do think that there is going to be issues getting adequate supply because when we look at, again, go back to urea because it's the bellwether. It's the canary in the coal mine. When we look at where our prices are today in relation to the rest of the world, I don't believe, assuming nothing changed, which everything will, but if we stay exactly where we are today, we won't get enough supplies to get us what we need for the springtime. Hmm. Hmm. Sobering thoughts there. Josh, you mentioned we might lose Russia as a supplier. What's going on over there? Same thing. So Russia, again, they are a big sender of natural gas over to Europe, and they see what's going on in Europe. They're seeing this production go down, and some of the government are starting to get a little nervous that, hey, if their production is down, they're going to become a big, big buyer. Uh, they see India falling far behind on what their import needs are, their purchase needs are, and they're saying, wow, if all this demand starts to come up, international markets are going to start to rally. We need to start holding on to our product to make sure Russian farmers have what they need to raise Russian crops. It's that protectionism. It's that, you know, everything used to be, you know, free markets and everything flowed in and out as it needed to. Now, all of a sudden, you get China starting to shut down and say, we're going to take care of ourselves first. Russia may do the same thing. It's that it's global protectionism. It's that fear of the marketplace. It is. And, you know, we've seen that here. We've put tariffs on fertilizers coming out of Morocco and Russia, I believe. And Josh, the last I heard, and I wonder if you could verify this, uh, buyers right now are taking those supplies. They're paying the high tariffs because that's just how strong the demand is. Is that uh, is that what you've heard, too? 
Yeah, uh, the imports are definitely down from what they were when you look at the phosphate. Uh, Morocco, Russia is not the, the big importer that they were. But, yeah, that's our market gets to be a big premium versus the world because it's still got to get those supplies. And when you get outside the top you know, six or seven big producers around the world, the numbers fall off quite a bit, and it gets very, very difficult to get the products you need in a timely manner. So then your price rallies to a premium, and all of a sudden those, those outside parties start looking at it and say, you know what, I can pay that penalty. I can pay that rate and still make money, so that's what I'm going to do. Interesting. A lot of things to keep an eye on. Josh, you've mentioned all of the black swans we've seen in the fertilizer sector over the past 18 months. You know, one of the upsides, it seems to me, is we have been warmer than average here across the, uh, the upper Midwest. Is that going to keep the Mississippi River open later this year, do you think, for shipping? No, nope. uh, those are dates that are pretty much set in stone. And even if it's a, a better, a warmer or anything like that, they are still, they've got a lot of repairs to the locks and things like that they need to do. So I, I would not anticipate that that is going to open the upper Mississippi River anytime in the middle of winter. Uh, what it may do is maybe we get a little bit earlier opening in the springtime, but we're probably talking more along the lines of days to a week rather than weeks or months. Okay, not enough to, to genuinely make a difference. Josh, as you think ahead to this next no. spring, okay, growers are currently debating with themselves. I just had this conversation the past week with a farmer in Illinois. He was like, gosh, I, I wish I'd bought fertilizer six months ago. I didn't. I'm here today looking for my spring needs. Do I bite the bullet and lock in today in hopes of being high enough on the chain to secure supplies next spring? Or do we wait? And he referenced 2008 when prices skyrocketed and then fell back by the next year. Do you think that's going to happen in 2022? Well, uh, whoever said that was actually really, really smart. You know, the old saying is you look to history and make sure you don't repeat the sins of the past. And 2008 is the last time we saw markets or anything like this. I mean, in fact, we're bumping up on those all-time highs that were set in that 08 period. The big difference that I have seen 2008 versus today is back in 2008, it was a demand-driven bull run. And what I mean by that is that if you waited a day or two, you could still find the product. Now, it may be $20, $30, $40 a ton higher, but you could find the product. There was never an issue with supply. And that worked really well as long as that demand was there. But when the demand stopped, you know, it's kind of like the Wiley Coyote runs out over the cliff, and when he finally looks down and notices there's no ground below him, it's kind of a no-crap period, and all of a sudden you just fall, and there's nothing to stop him until he hit the ground. This has been more of a supply-driven marketplace. That is not to say demand doesn't have a place. It absolutely does, and demand ultimately decides it. But in this period, there is very, very tight supplies out there. So if all of a sudden our demand, let's just say across North America, our demand just completely stopped and farmers said, nope, not these prices, I'm not doing anything. Suppliers would not have to do something right now. They could sit there and say, you know what, we'll send our sales staff off on vacation for two to four weeks. We will see you when we see you. They are very tight on supplies. They are very tight on inventories. They would wait it out for a while. There's no reason to sell that loss today if you can wait down the road and see if it gets better. So that's where I think this one has a little bit more staying power because it's not only a supply issue here in the U.S., it's a supply issue around the world. That's a great point. Um, Those global slowdowns, Josh, and the global supply chain issues we're seeing all could yeah. remain through this spring. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you talked about how they're asking, you know, do we lock it in now? Do we wait? There is not a good answer for that. And the reason I say is that one answer does not fit all. Uh, the best mm -hmm. thing I have been trying to tell people is, A, do everything you can to pull emotion out of your decision. At the end of the day, that's your biggest fear factor. And then just make the best decision for your farm. That's all you can do. That's all you can do, folks. Be rational. Make the best decision for your farm. Josh Linville from StoneX, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yes, sir. Have a great weekend. When we return, we will talk with Matthew Eddy, Eddie from the FFA convention in Indianapolis. Stay with us on Adams on Agriculture. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. 
But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we we are are the the Foundation Foundation Fighting Blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlisty 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlisty 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company and Listy 3 Soybean Technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlist E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. When it comes to maintaining your equipment, look to FS for products you need to keep it running efficiently and smoothly. If your equipment is newer and requires diesel exhaust fluid, FS and many local fast stop locations have it in convenient jugs or in bulk. If you need dispensing equipment for your shop or garage, our knowledgeable energy specialists can help with that too. FS, the people and the products to take you further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Thanks for tuning in to AOA. I'm Mike Pearson, sitting in for Mike Adams. And next, we are talking with Matthew Eddy. He's the Director of Ag Education for the State of Iowa and the State FFA Advisor. Matt, you're over in Indianapolis for the FFA Convention. How are things going? Our Adams, a great convention over here. Just me and 55,000 of my closest friends and colleagues. Now, it's been a while since FFA has been able to get everybody together. Is this the first convention since 2020? Uh, yes, in 2019, we were in person, and now we're back here in Indianapolis in 2021. How is the enthusiasm? Matt, are all these students just so happy to see one another again? Oh, my, the enthusiasm is is off the charts here. We have students, I just walked through the career show, that uh, almost several hundred thousand feet square feet of agricultural industry and students that are looking for careers for uh, further education and and all of them there's even uh, a, uh, a day of service booth that students are building uh, many food pantries are going to be distributed around the city uh, and and painting them and it's just a, a great thing to see well, FFA students are always good about giving back. And Matt, in your role as the state uh, director of ag education, I want to ask, we're in the third school year now that has been impacted in one way or another by coronavirus and the various shutdowns. And FFA, ag education, is tough to teach remotely. How is FFA as an organization doing here in 2022? Are, are, are we still growing? Are you still finding young folks really excited to get involved? Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've also, again, we've, we've kind of grew, uh, we did hit a membership mile mark last year, uh, ironically, I guess. And uh, we've seen growth again this year. And that's just a testament to our ag educators and what they're doing in the classroom every day. I know, you know, like you said, it is, it is a different style and, and way of teaching, but ag educators rolled up their sleeves and delivered our ag education model to students. Uh, despite that, now we're getting back some more regularness, I guess, and so you, uh, you certainly see that uh, coming through in our strong membership. Now, Matt, a lot of us out there maybe didn't have the chance to participate in FFA. My high school didn't have an FFA program when I was there. Can you tell us what, what do you do at convention? Well, so we have uh, a few things. One, we're carrying out the business of the, of the organization, so we have and they had six different committees that worked with, and I was actually helping with that process. Weighing, weighing matters with dedicated caution, recommendations to our uh, delegates who will vote on that and then send those to our uh, National Faith Board of Directors. And then we also have speaking contests that are going on right now and are uh, honoring the top participants in the nation. Uh, we have a career show. We have workshops for students that are uh, uh, leadership-based and service-based workshops that uh, any member can attend. And then, of course, we have our sessions, which are uh, led by our national officers that are uplifting and upbeat, exciting. And we, we showcase some of the top students. We uh, have keynote speakers, and, and it's just a great environment. And a rodeo tonight, if I'm correct. Yeah, we have a tonight over in uh, the Greenbridge Fieldhouse, and so we've got a lot of things. A little bit of a little bit of something for everybody when they come to Indianapolis. That is good to hear, Matt. As the convention comes to an end here in Monday, everybody gets back to school and work. Tell us what what are you going to be working on? What is the state of Iowa FFA doing here as you uh, get ready for the the winter and spring twenty twenty two? Yeah, one of our uh, big team ag ed uh, uh, initiatives, I guess, is that we're looking at a. Uh, a program we're calling All In for Ag Education. And really what we're looking for is that by the year 2029, which is our 100-year anniversary of ag education in Iowa, uh, that we would have uh, ag programs in every school in the state. So every student, regardless of where they go to school, has an opportunity to get enrolled in ag education, find out more about what career skills they can develop and what leadership uh, potential they would have, and, and hopefully maybe even direct that into an ag education career. So Matt, in order to do that, you're looking for funding, I assume, for ag educators, for covering the cost of, of traveling to things like convention. Is, is that the goal? 
you know, looking for uh, help, support, and developing those ag education programs all over the state of Iowa. Uh, and we, we certainly see a lot of development in large uh, urban districts even, and that's where a lot of our interest is coming from. And so we're excited to help welcome them to the ag education family and let people understand what a wide and broad uh, industry that agriculture is. Oh, that's true. And the leadership skills, the speaking ability that folks in FFA learn, all of that translates into careers in, in any field. Matt, looking at universal availability for FFA classes, does any state offer that currently or would Iowa be the first if your all in for Ag Ed plan came to fruition? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if I've looked at the numbers across the, the nation. I'd be the first. That would be pretty impressive. For folks who want to help maybe encourage uh, the FFA to get there, how can they donate? What are you, what are you looking for for this all-in for Ag Ed? Uh, they can either get with our uh, Iowa FFA Foundation uh, and our Executive Director Joshua Remington and you can contact them. We have a, a building there on the DMAC campus in Ankeny, and that's a, a great place to go with them. And, uh, or you can email, uh, contact me at the Iowa Department of Education, and I can route your your request uh, to the appropriate people. That is fantastic. Matt, I've talked to a lot of FFA students over the years, and I can tell you to a person, they're all impressive. So I'm glad to hear you are working to spread that FFA message farther and farther in the state of Iowa. Well, thank you. It's certainly something that our team ed groups have gotten together and prioritized, and we hope as we go forward that we can help uh, everyone understand that agriculture is important to everyone. Well, we'll let you get back to the convention. Have fun in Indianapolis. And listeners, thanks for tuning in to today's AOA. Mike Adams will return on Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. So you're saying I could save some money now by bundling my crop protection products? But I'd miss out on the 5 to 15 bushels per acre advantage from Acuron herbicide? Mm-hmm. And the 4 bushel advantage Saltro seed treatment has over Olivo seed treatment? Yeah. And the 18 and a half bushels per acre advantage from Travipro fungicide? Yep. So the bundle deal isn't really all that much of a deal, is it? Nope. Better yield is the better deal. Talk to your retailer or Syngenta rep to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide.